Business is simple. It's just not easy. We focus on three things to help you run and grow your business more easily. Talent, sales, and how to scale. Can it be that simple? Talent. Develop a robust recruiting, vetting, and training process to help capable people and then help them to become who and what they want to be. Sales. Have a logical go-to-market strategy. Build the sales and marketing structure and plan around it and then attack and execute the plan with fanatical consistency. Scale. Know where you're going, why you're going. Share with others why they would want to join you. Be clear on who's allowed to join you and what they'll need to do to stay on board. Anticipate roadblocks. Avoid them before you get stuck. And then when you do hit one, and you will, stay calm, problem solve, and find resources to get unstuck. Sounds simple, right? Simple to understand, but not easy to do. Join us as we focus on the tips and tricks and hacks for running a profitable, hyper-growth business. We'll share real-world horror stories and celebrate the victory sagas that will inspire you. This is the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. Hey everyone, Brian Whittington with this week's Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. I have a special guest from the other side of the pond, Michael Hansen. Um, so if you hear a slight difference in accent, yes, he is from the right side of the pond. Um, so he comes to us with a, a, just a, a wealth of knowledge. He's uh, running his own company called Growth Genie, where he specifically works to create a 30-touch omni-channel approach. So um, why 30? We use 25. Should it be eight? Who knows? We're going to find out today. Um, he's also part of this roundtable host and an ambassador of uh, EPSTA. Is that right? EPSTA? Yeah. Okay, so maybe we'll hit on that a little bit. Um, he, 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 but bottom line is why we have Michael on the show here today is how in the world, with all of these opinions, do we really take what we're doing from an outreach approach, whether you call it an SDR, BDR, XDR, whatever you want to call it, um, how do we do the right language, the right approach to really drive top of the funnel opportunity? So uh, that's why we have Michael Hansen on the show today. So with all of that said, welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks a lot, Brian. Looking forward to, to sharing all my experience and knowledge, and hopefully it'll be useful to some people listening out there. Well, I'm sure it will be, and it's, uh, we'll, we'll take lots of copious notes here. So let's go right into the, the first question is, there's uh, just unbelievable amounts of people that, you know, say, hey, they, know, they have the secret sauce, they know the right way. I mean, why should we listen to you on messaging and this whole outreach approach? Why should we be listening to you, Michael? Yeah, I like the question. I think it's a great question. Uh, I think there's a ton of LinkedIn supposedly gurus and they even put like influencer on their tagline. Uh, I saw a post earlier, funnily enough, saying if someone actually says they're an influencer, they're probably not an influencer yeah. and you should be skeptical of them. So I think that's that's probably where your, your question's coming from. And I think I'm just, you know, everyone listening to this podcast is probably in sales or sales is relevant to their job. And I'm just another salesperson, right? So even though I run my own sales consultancy, I'm always learning, evolving, and most of my knowledge is through experience, right? So having sold, I've been an AE, I've been an SDR, um, I've run a sales team, uh, 
a fast growing company that went from you know five employees to, to 200 employees uh, i also have a lot of marketing background as well and i think marketing and sales especially in the b2b world are just becoming closer and closer every day so i think content is a huge part of sales so that's a lot of what comes into my cadences a lot of the early touches in my cadences are very much what I call awareness. So sharing content, uh, a guy called Josh Brown, who a lot of people probably follow here, he talks about making deposits. So rather than withdrawals, uh, and I'm very much into that methodology. So yeah, the reason you should listen to me is I'm just another salesperson like you guys. I prospect every week. I have consultations every week or like demos, you would call them if you're in the software world. So I can just share some of my own experiences and I like listening to these like types of podcasts as well because I like learning from others. So yeah, that's essentially why you should listen. Got it. That's a pretty good background. And, and first off, kudos. I mean, going from five to two hundred—that's that's pretty darn impressive. So now you you talked about the intersection of sales and marketing, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to go down to the path of who should own the SDR role or who should own outbound. Should it be the, the marketing or sales? I don't care, right? All I want to know is how do we do it? So how would you say in that, in that organization where you scaled from five to 200 or whenever you're working with your clients, what's the approach that you're looking to take? Where does it go sales? Where does it go marketing? How do we blend that, that line together? What, what's your thoughts on that, please? I think it doesn't matter as long as the two teams are aligned. Where it's going to go wrong is if the two teams aren't aligned at all. So, for example, if you have marketing running the SDR team, they make a load of sequences, um, you know, for email, for LinkedIn, even the scripts, and they don't get any feedback at all from sales. And I've seen that happen in the past. So it's really important that marketing is aligned with sales because sales, apart from maybe your customer success or customer service team, they know the ideal customer better than anyone because they're having demos or consultations with the customers or potential customers all week. So they know what the pains are. They're doing discovery. So they've asked that question a million times. You know, what are your main challenges related to X, whatever your business is solving? So it's really important you're aligned. So if you, are, if you do work in marketing, it's really important that you align with the sales team whenever you're creating content. And that content can be, yeah, like an email cadence or a LinkedIn cadence, or it can just be, uh, you know, an ebook or uh, more traditional content. But it's really important that marketing has those conversations with sales, because unfortunately I've seen it at a lot of uh, institutions where marketing is not having those conversations with sales. And because of it, the content that they're making is not relevant at all. And then on the flip side of that is I've often seen sales um, or certain team members in the sales team saying that, oh, marketing's content's rubbish. They don't give out good stuff. And again, it's because they're not having conversations with marketing. So it's like, ask marketing, what are the most downloaded pieces of content that we have? What are our blog pages that get the most web traffic? And then that's what you should be sharing because those are probably the most relevant things to your customers. So it doesn't really, as you said, it doesn't matter if it's sales, is it marketing? It just matters that the two teams are aligned and there's very good communication between both departments. Okay, so, I mean, and here's a frustrating thing, right? We all know that. Yet, time and time and time again, we see it not happen. So, any, any suggestions that you can give to us, how do we get that alignment? How do we get those two talking? Because it's the age-old dilemma. Oh, your leads suck. Well, you suck. You can't close anything. You can't sell anything. So, how do we get those two talking and really working together? What, what have been some, some of your... Um, 
ways of doing them. Yeah, so so when I was at, at CloudTar, so just, just in transparency, my company now, there's only a few of us, we're very small, so it's not like we have a big sales and marketing department, we all kind of do everything, but at CloudTar, when we were growing the team and we were kind of going through this growth, you know, the marketing team was expanding and the, the sales team was expanding, and actually at the start, I don't think we were aligned at all. Um, and that was probably a lot to do with me as well, because I was responsible for that. And then what I realized is that there needs to be this communication, like I said, because sales was complaining about marketing, marketing was complaining about sales. And I realized it was purely a communication thing. Because both companies, or not both companies, both departments were doing well, but they weren't communicating what they were doing to the other one. And that's you know where things were going wrong. So what we started doing was, at the start, actually we ended up doing a call every day. Um, which we realized became a bit overkill, but it was like half an hour in the morning. We called it a sales and marketing scrum. And we get together and discuss things. Eventually we moved it to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which, which seems to be the, the perfect format. And it was really good because it, it just kind of got everything out on the table. We were very frank as well. So it was kind of like no holds bar. I think don't have any like areas of sensitivity where you can't say certain things, just have very open and transparent uh, communication and again if if your sales and again i don't know if i can use this word on podcast but if you think the content is shit from marketing like tell them but don't just say this is shit say look I, I don't think this content is really relevant to our customers because of x y and z and they're going to like that and you can provide feedback so that's the that's what i'd recommend just have regular calls at least every week as i said it should be a few times a week and just have very open and constructive feedback between the team so let's let's dive down a little bit more deeply on that. So I'm in I'm in marketing, okay? Because you you've worn both hats quite a lot, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep. Okay. So I'm in marketing. What am I? What are my core focus? What's my core belief? What's that lens through which everything is come coming through? Whenever I'm wearing my marketing hat. Yeah, so essentially, what are the main goals of marketing? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, more perspective, right? Because main goal of marketing is going to be driving leads, brand. Well, it could be that. So yeah, let's, let's hit on that one. What are the main goals of marketing? And then I'll, I'll dig a little bit more deeply. Yeah, so it's, it's quite an interesting guy to follow on LinkedIn called Chris Walker. You may have seen his, his stuff. Uh, yeah, he's got some good stuff. So yeah, he runs a, a small marketing agency. Um, I've actually done, done podcasts with, with him as well. And the reason I mention him is because marketing is slightly changing in the sense that back in the day, you would have, there was this big uh, focus on like ebook downloads and getting leads through, through ebook downloads. But the problem was it, was it was more focused on just the number of leads rather than the quality of leads. And actually what we're seeing now is the like middle of the funnel essentially is getting a bit more blurred with the, the basically the gap between the top of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel is getting a bit more blurred because things like eBooks, for example, what's actually started happening is people are putting eBooks as blog articles and they're not gating them. So before it was like, we've got this amazing eBook, but we're only going to give it to you if you give us your email, your phone number, et cetera. Um, and now people are like, do you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to give you this and we're just going to give away content and you're on our website and that's all we really care about. And I think marketing is becoming like more and more inbound in the sense that you just give stuff away um, in order to build brand awareness. So I think that's a, the big thing about marketing now is like just establishing yourself as someone who's really respected in your industry. 
Um, but then there's also a balance, right? It's like you said, there's, there's probably really two goals of marketing, right? It's brand awareness and, and lead generation. But then it's also like the revenue, right? That if, if that's not leading to revenue, then, you know, what's the point of doing marketing in the first place? So I do think there's, you know, Chris Walker talks about this, not, not focusing too much on lead gen, but you do need to focus on leads as well. You do need leads coming in. So there is a bit of a balance to it. Um, but essentially, yeah, it's brand awareness leads. And it's like, are those leads that are coming from marketing, are they actually turning into revenue? Because if you're all getting, you know, 5,000 marketing leads a month, but none of them turn into deals, but all your referrals turn into deals, there's something that could go wrong. And then going back to that sales and marketing alignment piece, it may be sales doesn't know where these leads are coming from. They're not using the right messaging or it's that these leads aren't qualified. So you've got to establish where exactly that's going wrong. Yeah, so there's a lot there. Um, with, with what Chris Walker is talking about, because that was pretty shocking to me, it seems like what he's doing um, is he's pushing out the content and he's, it's almost like, and I don't know this for a fact or not, but you can maybe get, give some insights there. It's almost like the people who are liking the articles or liking the posts or are interacting with the things, those are what are seemingly to count as leads and we're starting to strike up um, conversations with them. Is that a right understanding on what he's doing? Yeah, I think... So as I said, Chris is a bit of an extreme example and I've actually had conversations with him about this because he's very much in, but he's just like, give really good content away until people come to you. And obviously I'm a sales guy as well as a marketing guy. So I've got a big outbound hat. Most of what we do at Growth Genie is actually outbound consulting. So I would start conversations with the people that are liking and commenting. And I'd say, hey, Brian, I saw that you liked my post um, around, you know, inbound versus outbound SDRs. What do you think it should be, right? And start a conversation that way. Whereas I think Chris's methodology is just like give, give, give and wait for the inbound leads to come in. So I'm a little bit inbound and outbound with my approach. Uh, I think that's really the future. And I think inbound and outbound is so related as well, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> uh, oh, it is because, and, and let's face it. I mean, nobody loves picking up the phone. I mean, there's going to be people that lie about it and say that, well, there's really two people, this uh, old joke, right? There's two people that love outbound sales calls, right? Those that no longer have to do it and sales managers, right? That are forcing you to do it. So, I mean, it is a pain in the neck to, to do that. So everybody loves this idea of strictly inbound and I can do lead conversion. Yeah. The challenge in my belief is how do you build that up? Because to become that content, content matter expert, that subject matter expert, and to push all of that content out, to build up that following, that's not going to be an insignificant endeavor. That's going to take six months, nine months, a year, 18 months to really build that out to where you can have a more consistent machine. Or am I off base on that understanding? Yeah, no, it takes a long time, especially things like organic search on Google, because um, I know a lot of like leading experts on that, and it can take anywhere from like six months to a year or longer to really get consistent leads coming in on your website. And that's a bit successful. It's not successful. You may have to do it all over again. Um, but I think, again, going back to the point about, you know, the, the inbound versus outbound thing, and even if you do have a ton of inbound leads, um, and again, there's a a train of thought now with Chris and some other people about like if, if, a, if a webinar lead comes in or if an ebook download leads comes in, you shouldn't really be trying to sell them. 
And I think you should, but it's about the messaging that you use, right? So as long as when you have a conversation with that person that, that watched the webinar, the messaging is relevant. So ask questions that are relevant to the webinar rather than just be like, hey, this is us, this is our service, and it's probably completely unrelated to the topic in the webinar. So I think it's about finding that balance between building an inbound machine and, and building an, an outbound machine. And actually what I found is most companies do one or the other at the start. And then actually what happens is they get to a point where they realize you need both inbound and outbound. And I, I remember actually I saw uh, um, a talk by uh, Brian Halligan, the, the CEO of HubSpot uh, last year in, in London. And he was talking about the fact that, uh, you know, HubSpot started to do like billboards, right, in, in San Francisco. And he, you know, HubSpot, again, they didn't create inbound marketing, but they've become the most established authority on the subject. And he was saying, you know, he had to rewire himself because he'd been brainwashed by his own thing of like inbound is everything. And actually he realized in the end that the outbound was key. And I've seen others where like, even at CloudSars, for example, because we were like a, essentially kind of like an outbound machine, um, we got to a point where we need to invest in marketing. You know, we can't just get everything from like outbound and referrals. We need to actually have marketing leads that come in. So I think eventually every company is going to go to like an outbound and inbound model. Um, but it's just about finding that right balance, right? And having a good mix between the two. Yeah. So uh, because if we do inbound only, you know, they're like, oh, I can get my, my, my cost per lead is like 20 bucks or 300 bucks but how many of those are actually any good, right? Because it really seems like if you look at your, and I'll contend that most people on this listening, this have no idea what their true customer acquisition costs are. Whenever they bring the blended approach of marketing and sales and the team and the tools and everything that goes into it, that cost of customer acquisition, my sense is most people have zero clue what they're doing. So it, yes, it is that blended approach because What's working from a marketing perspective is likely going to change on a dime. And from what yeah. you were talking about earlier, Michael, you had suggested that that outbound team, the ones that are having the, the, the 5, 10, 20, 30 conversations a day, depending on size and technology stack, you might, you know, you could have hundreds of conversations per yeah. day. Um, they're going to be the ones that are going to give you trends in current market conditions so you can adjust and adapt more quickly is that an accurate understanding yeah definitely um yeah adjust and adapt like you said it's uh yeah it's 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 totally about that 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 balance essentially so uh yeah i think everyone's gonna everyone's gonna come to a point in their business where it's one or the other i mean the point on customer acquisition uh yeah i think a lot of companies don't have, even have even like more established companies I think one of the problems you've got is attribution as well. So I think that's one of the main problems with like Chris Walker's approach is if you're just doing brand awareness and you're not going for the leads, you're more just going for that, that inbound approach. How do you know, how do you measure the impact of that? Right. Cause you've, you've skipped out that step in the middle where it's all about um, like number of leads. And as you said, if you get, those are $300 leads and you think that's a small cost per acquisition, but none of them convert to revenue. That's a cost. You're losing money from it, right? You're not gaining money from it. And then, you know, going back to, to another example, uh, on LinkedIn, I think a lot of people are or general social media, just cause you were talking about likes and comments. A lot of people are focused on like the vanity metrics, which is the likes and the comments. 
and not actually the essentially the revenue that's coming from it. And I've seen it. I've had, you know, posts with insane engagement where I've had, you know, 100,000 views and I've literally got nothing from those posts. Right. And I've had other, other posts with like 2,000 views and I've got like a paying customer from it. So that's what really matters. And it's like the consistency of these things. Um, but yeah, the, what, the problem is if you do that approach, the attribution can become a problem because you're like, I don't actually know where this comes from. Whereas if you do a marketing campaign and you're like, this is Facebook and we're getting the leads, you can see the whole customer journey. But I think the problem is that sometimes you can't see that whole customer journey and you don't know where the lead comes from. Correct. Well, and so I'm glad that I, I, I stepped back on my question because whenever we said, hey, what's marketing actually do? We didn't really say that, right? Because it's, you said, well, it's kind of branding. Well, it's kind of lead generation. I was expecting you to say the, the point of marketing is lead generation. But you know, they're, they're, what you're saying there is there's really two schools of thoughts. One is on brand, brand, brand yeah. awareness, and the other one is more on lead, lead generation. Um, yeah. Now they'll try to combine the two, yeah. but my belief is I'm only looking at marketing. Now I'm a sales guy through and through, right? So let's get that out of the yeah. way. That's my, that's my viewpoint, is marketing's really to help to drive leads or to make the sales team's job to convert those leads a little bit easier. So yeah. is that an old way of thinking? Is that a still a right way of thinking? Talk to me a little bit about that viewpoint. Yeah, no, I think it, it is. And, and even like just creating content, right? So there's, you, you, there's different types of content depending on where you are in the buyer's funnel. So if you're in a sales cycle with someone and marketing's giving you loads of like case studies, but maybe that's a referral, right? So it hasn't actually come from marketing. It's just a referral from the business. Then marketing's giving you loads of content that helps you close those deals, right? I actually work with a company that does proposal software. They're like a proposal software platform. And again, they often marketing owns the proposal side of it. So, you know, that which is quite interesting in itself that sales aren't sending out proposals. Marketing's got the proposal template. So I think that's what I was saying about the beginning of the call. To me, more, like revenue just needs to be seen as like one engine and sales and marketing has different parts. And like you said, the SDR team, that can be marketing or sales, like proposals can be marketing or sales, even towards the bottom of the funnel, right? Marketing's creating content that helps sales close deals. So I think that's the problem where you have like marketing and sales and silos is that they're so interrelated that it becomes very difficult. And then, you know, going back to the inbound, the outbound model, I, I was talking about this last week on LinkedIn, which is that I don't really agree with the whole like inbound and outbound SDR separately, because if a lead comes in from like a Fortune 500 company, you've got, say for our business, right? It's a, uh, a director of sales comes in, but then I also want to talk to the VP of sales, a CRO, et cetera. And I'm just speaking to that guy or girl. So it's like, I want to do an outbound approach to warm up all the other decision makers at the company. So, you know, I think people look at things too narrowly, like this is sales, this is marketing, this is inbound, this is outbound. And I think more and more, this is why, you know, account-based sales is a big um, topic at the moment. You need to have like a more holistic approach. And that's why salespeople who understand marketing are going to succeed a lot more. And the same marketing people who understand sales are going to succeed a lot more. So I think, the modern salesperson or the modern marketer needs to understand both. But yeah, I'm going to ask one more question off of this and then, and then pivot to a, a different topic. So what would you say the difference um, in sales in sales and marketing is in terms of approach, right? From an email perspective, scripting perspective, 
those two uh, specific pieces, what would you say the difference is between a sales uh, telephone script email versus a marketing telephone script email? Yeah, this is a great question, actually, and something I think I've learned over the years is I think sales actually is, is more personalized. I think if marketing could be more personalized, it would be better. But I think at the moment, marketing is essentially just building an authority on a particular subject, right? Whether that's related to like outbound prospecting in our case or closing or CRM implementation or whatever it is, you become an expert on that topic. And marketing's job is to make you an expert on that topic and create great content around it. Sales is more about the relationships that you're building with people. So say that comes in uh, an ebook download, and like I said, director of sales, you're making, uh, you have a conversation with him, you build a relationship with him, you try and um, have him on different channels so you can communicate easily, and then you try and get intros to other people in the buying chain. So you're essentially creating relationships with people, and people buy from people. That's the thing is you need to create a relationship because even though you're, you, you know, Brian or I'm, I'm Michael at Growth Genie or it's Brian at HubSpot or whoever it is, they're also buying from you as Brian and they're buying from me as Michael because they, they end up trusting you and therefore they trust your brand because you're representing that brand. So I think that's the difference between marketing and sales a lot of the time is those personal relationships that you make with people. Got it. Okay. Well, let's go into some more tactical then. So, I'm a, I'm a salesperson and I'm having to blend this approach of, of personal branding now. You know, you see really some really sharp SDRs out on the, on the, in the marketplace right now, really doing an effective job in their own personal brands. They're building out content, but they're also doing outreach. So what should my outreach look like? So you have in your LinkedIn that you have a 30, 30 step approach. I mean, what's that? Let's talk about that one. What's a 30 step approach look like? I mean, I, I would think a lot of people say, isn't that a bit overkill for goodness sakes? Yeah. So I, I think I mentioned this earlier in the, uh, the call. So at the start, generally we, we, we give what we call de deposits, right? We just give away mm -hmm. content that we think is useful. So I know if you're a sales leader and you manage an SDR team, um, you're probably looking for like cold calling tips or how to build a LinkedIn guide or how to build email messaging. So those are actually all documents we have. And we, I'd say, you know, Brian, I noticed you, um, you run a sales outsourcing firm, you have uh, 10 SDRs or whatever it is. And, and here's a, a piece of content that can help them about how to build LinkedIn messaging. You say, oh, thanks very much. And then you, you start a conversation like that. Um, the, the approach we have is, is a mixture of personalization and automation. Uh, so you see a lot of debate on LinkedIn about this. A lot of people who are very old school will be like, no, it's about volume. The personalization doesn't matter. It's a waste of time. Other people will be like, you can't automate anything. You always have to be human. And I sit somewhere in the middle. So I think one of the reasons is that, yeah, you do always want to be human, but you can actually automate outreach, right? So, and that, but seem personalized. So the way you can do that is through what I call triggers. So in the example of Growth Genie, I know that if a company's hiring SDRs or hiring salespeople, they need help setting them up for success and building repeatable, scalable processes for them. So I can target a list of companies that I know are hiring SDRs. And then I could say, hey, Brian, notice you're, you're hiring SDRs. How's that hiring process going? Or share a bit of content um, as you're hiring SDRs. Here are some key traits you should look for in SDRs that may come in useful when you're interviewing, right? So that can be an automated message, 
actually it looks personalized because it's got that trigger that they're hiring SDRs and there can be other things that they're using a particular type of software and a lot of these data companies now zoom info seamless apollo they have those triggers they have like if you if you're hiring someone so you can use that so it's a bit of that and then it's a bit of sending personalized messages so that could be a personalized video um, personalized voice notes uh are very uh have been very useful recently and i'm actually preferring voice notes to, to video at the moment just because you can do it at scale because that's the problem with personalization right is being able to do, to do it at scale voice note you just kind of press a button send send a message and then move on to the next person um, and then typically it's about six to seven touches sometimes eight on email on linkedin uh, and then you've got you know like 10 to 15 calls so again it seems like a lot but First two or three messages on LinkedIn and email, you're not even talking about you and what you're doing. You're talking about the customer's pain. You're giving away content. And then it's like email four or five, you presenting a solution saying about what you do. And then same, some people say with calls, you probably relate to this, Brian, like 10 to 15 is too much, but like connect and so have a lot of data about this. Say that, you know, an average connect rate, depending on the industry can be like five to 10%. So that's basically someone picking up the phone. So actually you may have to call someone 10 times just for them to, to pick up once and they don't know who you are. And I think the 30 touch cadence is just about to get that one reply, that one interaction. And that's the way to think of it. You're not having 30 interactions. You're doing 30 touches in order to get one interaction and to get a meeting. Um, so they don't think they've got 30 touches from you. They've, that's more what you're doing just to have that one interaction with them. Yeah. So there's a ton in there. So a a couple of things, um, you're leveraging content at the front end of those first touches to, to really leverage the, 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 uh, principle of influence of reciprocity, right? Give to get. So you're giving the information away to build value, to build credibility, to set yourself apart where you're not just, you know, having commission breath come across. Right. So that's, that's a one piece. Um, the second piece is triggers and I love this triggers piece and we'll dive down this a little bit more deeply. So off of this triggers, they're really the observable characteristics of what makes that person want to act. So a a new so-and-so shows up, new VP of sale, new CRO, new CMO, whatever the case may be. If you've had triggers in the past, you know that they're looking to shake things up and do things differently likely. So those different trigger events, are they hiring certain people? Um, maybe just introduced a new product or service and you laid out the different tools that we can tap onto those as as well. Now with the voice notes, are you meaning voice notes through LinkedIn or voice notes? Is that something different that we should know about? Yeah, LinkedIn. So LinkedIn voice notes have been really powerful. Um, I think uh, I saw a stat like only 1% of LinkedIn messages use like a video or or a voice note. So half of the battle in sales is just standing out because so many, especially if you're reaching someone at a C-level company, they're probably getting prospected a hundred times a day. So your messaging has got to be really good and, and really stand out. Yeah. So um, just so you know, so let's let's be very tactical on this one. If you're going on on LinkedIn for a voice note, you, you have to do it from your mobile and off of your mobile, make sure that you hit that plus button on the left hand side of that that little messaging. Now, I don't know about you, Michael, have you found with videos? Oftentimes, whenever I shot videos, they get hung up, but I found really good success with the with the voice notes like you suggested. Have you had any success with the with the videos through it? Video works really well. I have had a lot of success with video. The only reason I said I prefer voice notes is because of the productivity. Like I could probably sit, and I've done this actually, and I was speaking to 
uh, actually an account executive that I was coaching the other day and he said the same, like you've been in the middle of something. So he was actually in the airport. I've had it before um, where I was like, uh, I can't remember where I was, but I, I didn't have access to my laptop and you can send like 50 voice notes in like an hour, right? You can just bang them one off to yeah. the other. Whereas a video, you could probably do like 10 of those, right? So the video just takes a bit more time. Um, so that that's why the the voice note I like, because you can do it at scale. But video is great as well. So, you know, I'm not hating on video. Video is better than like a, a normal message um, if it's got the right information, right? So, uh, yeah, I recommend both approaches. It's just from a productivity perspective, voice note's a little bit better. Nice. Okay. Now, how about um, Vidyard's, Looms? How does that fall in? Do, do those fall in a, a, at all in your 30 outbound attempts? Yeah, definitely. So there's a couple of video messages, typically actually towards the start. Um, and you, this relates to triggers as well. So again, if I know a company's hiring or if they're growing the team, for example, I can go on LinkedIn Sales Navigator and there's essentially a graph and it shows me like if the sales team's growing. And this is a big one that I do. I share and I'd say, Hey, Brian, I noticed the, uh, the sales team's growing. As the sales team grows, often, you know, the SDR team grows and you have a VP of sales, but he's busy managing the account executives and he doesn't have time to, to manage the SDRs and, you know, processes can get lost. Um, is that a challenge you can relate to and would you be interested in, in a quick chat? So that's the kind of messaging you can have. So you can use video and share screen on something in the video that you think is relevant. Again, if it's an industry you know about, you could actually go to their website, talk about stuff that's on their website because you know about it because you're an industry expert. So I think video is very powerful where, again, I think most people know video is like, hey, I'm just going to record myself talking. But the thing I really like about Vidyard or Loom is you can actually share screen on another great tactic, share screen on their LinkedIn profile. Because it's not just like, hey, I researched your profile. It's like scroll through and, hey, I saw this thing on your LinkedIn profile. And even it can be something personal. Like I, I had one the other day. Hey, I noticed you went to Bangor University. I was actually just in North Wales on holiday. And then, you know, start a conversation around that. So, you know, use video to share things about them. So that's the thing about video. Make the video about them. Again, same basic rule in sales. Don't make it about you. Make it about them. Yeah. Now, have you, um, uh, first name's Jeremy, I can't recall his last name, um, came up with a couple of ideas where we can leverage video as a template, right? Where, where we're not using their specific name or maybe we're on a website, maybe ours as, as opposed to theirs. So if we're have a, if our average value of sale or our lifetime value of a customer maybe doesn't allow us to be quite as customized is is it still a good approach to have it on our website or maybe our linkedin as opposed to theirs i mean clearly theirs would be ideal but still worthwhile or should we skip it yeah definitely so this is an approach i've used at a company level and again it wouldn't work on the linkedin lead page but it may work on the linkedin company page right so again that that they're growing the sales team that's more less about a person and more about the company. So I could again, take that approach. Notice you're growing the sales team, show the graph on LinkedIn that's growing. And again, you're personalizing it, but you're personalizing it at an account level rather than a company level. So I've seen that where someone's trying to sell into a buying chain of like 50 different decision makers and influencers, and they can start a personalized, what seems like a personalized outreach to all of those 50 decision makers, but it's actually automated. It's automated at the company level, right? So you can send uh, maybe an email that's with text 
that's very relevant to their company. I notice your company's doing this, so showing this piece of content. And then two days later, again, send that video that's sharing screen on their company page or their company LinkedIn page. So yeah, that's certainly something that you can automate as well. Yeah, and notice the language that he used there. Uh, whenever Michael said, hey, we're looking at these triggers. And then he just said, you can talk about things that are relevant because if we can't customize, if we can't take the time to customize, we can at least make sure that things are relevant. And those relevance, uh, that level of relevance is really gonna come from those trigger events. So it's a really nice, uh, you know, build on, if you will. So, okay, good. Now, we, we're sending these messages, we're sending these, the, the, uh, we're doing the outreach. How do we go about, what's, what's some different languaging or language that we should use, uh, messaging that sh we should use? Any tips or tricks or hacks there? Yeah, so again, start with the pain, right? So, you know, when I'm doing outbound sales training, I always start with uh, who's your ideal customer profile? Uh, some people don't have that spelled out correctly, believe it or not. But who's your ideal customer profile is obviously the first thing. Um, the second thing is what are their pains, right? So write down the different personas because you've got the customer profile at a company level and then you've got it at a, a contact level, right? So say I sell to like sales leaders, marketing leaders and CEOs and we have our own playbook. So the playbook, I'm like write down the top five challenges of all those personas. And then it's about at the start of that, what content is relevant to that. So again, if you're having conversations, you know these are the main pains, speak to marketing and say, what are the, what's the main content that we have related to this pain, right? And then same with triggers, like write down triggers are a good example. So triggers is also massively relevant to marketing. So you can say, you know, a lot of the people that I speak to, they're like hiring SDRs and they need help, you know, training, coaching, consulting them. So speak to marketing and say, can we create any content around like how you train SDRs or like challenges related to, to training or hiring SDRs? So you got the triggers and then the pains and then it's like the questions related to that. That's a big thing as well is that I think on a cold call, people are trained to ask relevant questions, but people don't do that that much on email. They just always ask for the meeting. And it's like, no, same way as that, you could ask a question um, on a call, like, you know, how are you currently training and, and onboarding your SDRs? Do that on an email as well. I've started loads of conversations that way. And then they're giving you all the information. And then at that point, then you can customize your solution, right? So we can help you solve X pain with, with Y solution. So I think that that's another thing when you're, when you're building these cadences. I almost see like, uh, uh, say you've got a six touch or seven touch email sequence. I've, I've made this analogy before that it's actually almost like one cold call but like split up. So if you imagine like a cold call, you're almost the, the start of that email sequence is like the start of a, of a cold call. You're like trying to warm them up, get, get to know their pains. And once you know their pains, then you're actually, uh, you know, pitching your solution. So that, that, those are the, the main tips that I have. So it's almost that whole entire campaign is building off of itself that you start right. with relevance to build trust. Then you're bringing in, Hey, um, you didn't use this language, but it almost seems like you're being a little bit provocative, meaning, hey, I'm going to put right in your face, these are the challenges that you're likely facing. If you have these, then we can do something about it. If not, you know, we can skip it. And then calls to get those that aren't going to pick up email because there's a million emails that we're getting in a, in a, yeah. in a week's time. So is that, is that my understanding? Yeah, and everything's, it's, it's not just they didn't pick up your emails. Everything with a cadence is... Um, connected. So I'm actually going to give you a great example here. And this is latest tactic I'm, I'm using. And I really recommend people to do this because as far as I know, not many people are doing this. 
there's a thing on LinkedIn now where you can do a poll. Um, so you mm -hmm. can essentially do a survey on LinkedIn. And what I love about it is that they will show you the responses. Um, so I've started a lot of conversations recently. We've been advising growth genie clients to do this and they've been having a lot of success because the hardest part of being in outbound sales and being cold outbound, rather than if you're like an inbound account executive, you can ask them questions, you can get to know them. Is that, as you said just there, you have to assume their pains. You have to be like, you can probably relate to one of these pains, but you don't actually know. So if you do a, if you do a LinkedIn poll about a pain, so you can give four options. When someone, all they have to do is click a button as well. When they click that button and say that, that pain, you can then customize your messaging around that. So I'll give you a particular instance. I was speaking to, um, uh, I basically got a very good opportunity in the pipeline now with a software company and the VP of marketing said that the poll was about relevant outbound sales challenges. The VP of marketing said that relevant messaging was a real pain for her. So the other options were like sales technology training, but I knew that messaging was a problem. So I then sent her a LinkedIn message saying, I, I noticed that relevant messaging is a pain for you. I also noticed you run a, an SDR team over there. Um, would you be interested in a guide about how to build good messaging on LinkedIn and good messaging on, on email? And she said, yeah, sure, that'd be great. I sent her an email. She said, thanks a lot for these. These are really useful. I had a phone number in the signature and then I, I cold called her, right? And then we had a, we had a meeting. You know, it's, she's brought in her CEO, her VP of sales. So again, that's a really good instance of one, using a survey to understand the pain, but two, how the three channels are interrelated. Because I started on LinkedIn, went to email, and then cold called her, and that's how I got the meeting. So. Yeah, well, well played, very nicely done. Now, what kind of, how often are you doing polls? Um, what's the response rate that you should expect off of them? How much, and then the third question off of that, so um, how often? Two, response rate, and three, what's the likelihood that response rate is gonna massively differ based upon the number of followers or number of uh, connections you have? Yeah, so all great questions. Um, I'd recommend doing one every two weeks, and the reason is that I think the longest time you can leave the poll open is two weeks, and okay. something I recommended, so this um, lady I'm talking about, she actually messaged organically from a post, but what you can do if you don't have a big following, is copy a link to the poll and then put it in LinkedIn Messenger or even put it on an email. And that's a good way of getting more people to respond. Um, and then, yeah, I think your last question was around, sorry, I can't remember. There was three parts to that question. Yeah. So how, what's the response rate that we should have? So um, how often? Once every two weeks. Uh, yeah. What's the typical response rate? I mean, if we, yeah. how many should we expect back? So I think, my issue with this is it's such a new thing. So I can't tell you, I've literally just started using this in, in the last two months. Um, okay. And then I suffer, you know, I'm a founder. So I try to dedicate a good chunk of my week to prospecting to practice what I preach. But um, I don't have, I haven't done this as like full time, like I would advise clients, but you can get very good response rates. And I think, um, you know, one uh, person, I think account executive that is doing more of an outbound approach that I'm coaching, he says, you know, his polls get a lot more responses than his um, posts. So I think he was getting maybe on average like 10 to 15 likes or comments on his post. And he did a poll the other day that got like 100 responses. So you can get oh, wow. And okay. that, was, that was just organic. So again, like something you could potentially automate is send like an email cadence out to 600 of your ideal customers saying, hey, we've done this poll, we'd love your feedback. Yeah. Just one button. Uh, 
That's really, that's, that's actually really, really nice use case there, Michael. And, and notice for those on the call or those listening to this, Michael's trying stuff out. I mean, if we're not trying things out to a, a co earlier comment that you made, one of the biggest things is how do you stand out? How do you differentiate yourself? And if you're not trying these new things and, and learning this, you're going to get left behind because there's a lot of younger folks coming out there that are so comfortable with all this different technology. Now I got more gray hairs than what, you know, what most people are listening to this do. But if you're not keeping up and relevant, you're going to get left in the dust and you, it, things are changing too fast right now to allow that to happen. So, and the, and the third piece, um, the third question I asked is how much does your following or, or number of, uh, number of uh, connections influence that, but you just gave, you already gave the, the, the advice. If you have a small number of connections or you don't have the, the following that you might like, um, put that out in, in an email signature or make uh, an email cadence out of that. That's a, that's a great idea. Uh, there's probably seven, eight other ways in which you can leverage this, even yeah. from an account, uh, account management standpoint would be pretty darn yeah. interesting. So no, I love that idea. That's, that's great. Okay. So being cognizant of time, let's, let's start to wind this down. I mean, you've given us so much, Michael, I can't thank you enough for this. Um, biggest takeaways right now that I hope everyone's getting is the triggers, keeping up on new things. Michael is the founder. He's still actively doing these things. So based upon all of your experiences, Michael, what's, what's a business challenge that were lessons learned, you know, you stubbed your toe on something, ah, that hurt that we can, we can avoid from your, your painful lessons. Yeah, I think, just execute right so i think i it's something i actually posted about today i think a lot of sales people um especially younger people now because they're not cold calling for example like, i think cold calling is great as you said it's one of the hardest jobs and a lot of people don't like doing it but the good thing about cold calling is you can't really like hide behind anything like it's very personal um, and i think one of the mistakes i made at the start was i would like think too much about the strategy and and the messaging and, and stuff behind that but i wouldn't actually execute and I, I obviously i executed to some extent but looking back at it i sh probably should have done it more at scale and that's how i learned a lot of the things i did by testing right so i tested a lot of different approaches and then through that you learn what works and, and what doesn't work um so that's i think one of the pieces of advice i would give to anyone out there right now is like don't spend all your time like personal. Even though I've talked about personalization today, if you're only sending out like 50 emails and 50 LinkedIn messages a week and you're personalizing absolutely everything, um, you're not going to learn that much because you need. It's, it, there's always going to be a balance between quality and quantity, right? And it's both, right? Because you have to be very relevant to the company and the lead that you're contacting, as I mentioned today. But sales is also still a numbers game at the same time, right? So you have to work out what's your total addressable market and go after that. And again, even if you're at the start of your company, especially, we're talking about your ideal customer profile. You may not know who your ideal customer profile is. And the only reason you're going to learn who it is is by speaking out to them and reaching out to them and seeing, you know, what are the conversations you have that actually lead to sales. So that's a big thing that I would say is like, just execute. Don't worry too much, you know, even just to give you another example, actually, something that really upsets me on LinkedIn and some of these so-called influencers is when people shame SDRs on LinkedIn and say, yeah. hey, this messaging is so terrible, et cetera. And again, going back to like mistakes, 
some of the messaging I used to write at the start of my sales and marketing career was absolutely terrible. Um, partly because I didn't have much guidance. A lot of my first roles there were small companies and they didn't have like an SDR manager or marketing manager or whatever. So I used to write terrible messages. And actually some of the feedback I got and how I learned was like through really kind prospects that said, hey, like I'm not interested, but like this is what you should be doing X, Y, and Z. And that's how I learned. So you'll learn, I think I wrote about this on LinkedIn. The only thing worse than a really bad sales message is not sending any message at all. So yeah. to all the people, even when I get really crappy messages on LinkedIn, I'm like, at least they're trying, right? And I think that's a big thing nowadays with a lot of these so-called sales influencing gurus. They're like, never do this. This is terrible. I'm like, yeah, it is terrible, but you have to learn some way. And I actually empathize with those, you know, junior SDRs because at least they're trying and they're going to learn and they're going to get, even if they get, they send that terrible message, someone posts about it on LinkedIn they're like, okay, it doesn't work. So now I can now I can change the messaging. So that's a big thing is just to, to execute and get on with the job. Yeah, my, I had a good mentor of mine. He always said, uh, you know, stop with the, the navel exercises where you're just sitting, contemplating, looking at your navel, whether or not you should act. And really it's it's getting in the game, getting in the battle that you're covered with scars and, and dirty and bloodied up from doing it. And and those are unfortunately the, the best lessons learned. So that, that's great advice. Um, You've given us a, a lot of these already, but one one business hack for talent, finding talent, building them up, sales or scale. What what's one thing that you want to impart to these these folks that they should really take away and do? Yeah. So in terms of like finding talent, like finding yeah, it could be finding talent, building up the talents, training that talent, or a, a, a hack on sales or scaling the business because you've done it all. You can hit all of all of them if you'd like. Yeah, I think. Um, in terms of finding talent, you know, and I think the thing is with SDRs, especially now, is a lot of them are like green is the word a lot of people use, right? You know, it's their first job, they're, they're straight out of college. So I think a lot of companies will look more from like an academic perspective, like, you know, did they go to a good university? Did they do this? And I think in sales, it, it's not, obviously it's important, but I think the most important thing is like the hungriness and the attitude and the people that I've seen really succeed as like SDRs or, or junior sales roles is they're very willing to learn. So they listen to all the you know content or training that's put their way. Um, and then they're also very hungry, like I was saying about executing. They want to they wanna just reach out. They want to make calls. They want to send emails because they want to learn. Um, so those two things I would focus on is not look too much at the, the academic side because sales, yeah, it's a science and an art. But it's also something you learn by doing and like I was saying in my last point, you know, there's not like a say, I'm sure there are now, but there's generally not like sales degrees at university. And even if there was, I'd be very skeptical of it because sales is something you learn by doing, right? You can study and you can go on LinkedIn and, you know, you can see, for example, a lot of these um, sales influencers or people that are putting out great content on, on LinkedIn, you can like them and, and comment and do all that. But if you don't actually put into practice what they say, then right. you're never going to learn if it's true or not and if it actually works. So that's what I would say. If you're following like a John Barrows or Josh Braun or whatever, don't just like and comment. Take what they've done and put it into your day-to-day -day, and then you can know if it's worked or not. Correct. Uh, knowledge for knowledge sake is pointless. It's knowledge for application sake. And it's infuriating to see how few people do that. So well, well said. All right. Um, 
resource that you might recommend, books, a podcast, uh, anything that we should be watching, checking out, learning from, so we can take that learning and apply it and become as smart as you, Mr. Michael Hansen? Um, yeah, as I said, I'm just uh, another another sales guy here sharing sharing my um, sharing my experience more than expertise. But I, I appreciate those comments. And then, yeah, there's a, a guy called Daniel Disney who, who you may or may not know. He's um, he's also got his own consultancy, but more focused on on LinkedIn. Okay, uh, he built a huge following on LinkedIn, and he's got a uh, a book called The Million Pound LinkedIn Message, um, which is all about how he basically closed the deal. Uh, worth a million pounds just off LinkedIn. It's got the story of that. And then it also has some templates for LinkedIn. Um, so that's something I really recommend. Uh, the sales development playbook as well by Trish Patuzzi. That's that's another good one. Um, so yeah, those are, those are a couple of things I'd recommend. And then I think the other thing as well is like, encourage other aspects of your life. So this is a very different thing that, that I'll say, but I find often by other other areas of my life influence my sales career so i think don't get too i think i see a lot of people it's like sales they're thinking about it on the weekends and listening to sales podcasts etc which is good but also have a big like a bigger life in the sense you know other activities and other passions outside of sales often teach you things uh, for sales because sales is a big skill like just generally in in life like a lot of things you learn in the sales world you can apply to other areas it's the same a lot of life skills you can actually use in the sales world so um yeah that's like a, a quirky bit of advice i'd give i like that quirky bit of advice i mean i i always suggest that sales is nothing more than leadership which is teaching i mean really sales leadership mentoring managing teaching it's taking somebody's behavior and getting it to change and change for the good. So yeah, I think that's a really great advice. Appreciate that. All right. So trends, what should we be watching for? What, what should we, we be looking out for? Let's grab the magic eight ball. What's, what's the future hold for us uh, trends wise? Yeah, I think there's going to be a new platform. I don't know what it is still yet. There's going to be massive, obviously, you know, like five years ago or 10 years ago, LinkedIn wasn't such a big thing. I think LinkedIn started as a recruitment platform. And obviously now it's more of a sales platform, obviously still massive for recruiting as well. You know, like 20 years ago, email wasn't a big thing. And I think a lot of these things like LinkedIn, like email, for example, at the start, they were incredible to use because people weren't receiving many emails. Whereas now, as I said, a C-level decision maker could get 100 prospects emails a day. And yeah. Same with LinkedIn, even like a couple of years ago or before the pandemic, it was easier to sell on LinkedIn because people weren't as getting as many messages, whereas now LinkedIn has like become the next email. So I think there's gonna be a, a new channel that will emerge for sales. I don't know what that is yet, but I would advise people to like test out those other channels as well, because eventually there's gonna be something that you can use. And I know some people are like getting meetings on like Facebook groups and Slack actually, and like all kinds of things. So I would just say keep your eyes and ears open because I think there will be another channel that will emerge. And I think if you just stick to the same old thing and don't evolve with the times, then you know, you're gonna fall behind the rest. Yeah, I love that. So good. All right. Well, hey, uh, who should reach out to you? How should they do it, Michael? And and why should people reach out to you? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to be reached out to literally anyone. Obviously, if you're a VP of sales that's looking for help building scalable outbound processes, um, then then contact me. But same, if you're like an SDR just looking for a few tips and, and hacks, feel free to contact me. 
um, LinkedIn, my uh, so just my name, Michael Hansen, and then probably put in a growth genie and I'll come up. Um, so you can message me on LinkedIn Messenger or feel free to send me an email. So it's mhanson at growthgenie.co and not .com, just .co, as people get that wrong. And uh, yeah, happy to, to speak to anyone that's interested. Yeah, and, and Michael's legit on that. He's a, he's a good guy looking to help the community. And uh, e even if you look at some of his nonprofit that he's doing uh, on, on his post. So that's one of the things that I really appreciate about you, Michael. So thanks so much for your time here. Uh, tons of tons of takeaway here. Remember your, your triggers. Remember that marketing and sales alignment. Stop thinking about it. Just doing it. Even if you're doing it poorly, you're going to get better off of it. And my goodness, start leaving some, uh, some audio LinkedIn, for goodness sakes. All right, Michael Hansen, on, on behalf of Michael Hansen, this is Brian Whittington with the Talent Sales and Scale Show signing off. Talk to you soon.